Blog Talk Radio. This episode 166 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Lally and myself will be recapping the past weeks of racing, previewing upcoming action, as well as discussing whatever other motorsports topics pop into the conversation. First off, we hope all of you had a very happy Independence Day. Hopefully all the fireworks left you unscathed and ready to enjoy the summer. Let's go ahead and start tonight by recapping a little bit of the Sprint Race Brazil event that took place in Homestead Miami Speedway, as well as at the Sebring International Raceway in Sebring, Florida, a couple of weeks ago. It was an awesome race. It was the first time that they that the series had been in, in this country. So it was kind of cool to see them there. They had 15 different cars uh, representing all the, the best of, of Brazilian racers. Um, they even had a couple other racers you may have heard of before. Max Pappas was there. Rubens Barrichello, the former Formula One world champion, was there, as was, uh, what's her name? Nelson Piquet Jr.'s sister was also one of the competitors. Nelson Piquet Jr. himself was also there doing the spotting for her, which was kind of cool because I got to see him in the Fangio Terrace at Sebringer National Raceway. It's kind of neat to, to see him there. I didn't get to talk to him, even though we have had him on the program twice in the past. I didn't get a chance to catch up with him this weekend. Um, so that was kind of kind of interesting to see those guys. The weather there was really, 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 really bad, though, on Sunday afternoon. Um, there was a rain shower about noon that uh, cut off one of the races, the uh, the FARA event, which is the Formula Automotive Racing Association, uh, which is a, a Florida-based racing association that the Sprint Race Brazil Series was running under the banner of. Um, so they had that, that event there as well. Those are also short races, especially on Sunday. Uh, they do run longer events. Most of the longer events run on Saturday afternoons. So it was kind of neat to see them. Um, the, the weather, as, said, as I said, was really bad. Uh, it cut the, the first race, the fair race, a little short. Um, the afternoon fair event was cut in half because they were just spinning everywhere on the track. It was it was kind of scary. In fact, it was it was pretty scary. But it was neat to see them. Um, kind of cool to see the cars go around as well because they didn't run rain tires, even though the the track was definitely wet. So it was sort of a, a battle of finding the grip in places where they could. And obviously, a lot of the cars could not find grip efficiently, and that's why the race was kind of cut in half for those guys. Uh, the sprint race event, it wasn't bad at all. There was a little bit of rain for that race, but but most of that was at the very beginning. Uh, so it just it dampened the track a little bit, but they did get going rather well. Um, they had no issues in the sprint race. Uh, Brazil event. It was pretty cool to see those guys go around. It was probably the best racing I've seen of a, a car of that size. Uh, they were really fast. They were loud, a lot louder than I thought they'd be. Generally, it was a really good good race. It was less than 30 minutes, so it kept your attention rather well. And there were a lot of a lot of cool cars to look at, a lot of amazing sponsors and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty cool. Um, I'd do it again. I don't know if they're going to come back next season. I hope they do. A lot of the stuff there in Sebring was also, was also different because the Sebring race, the 12 hours of Sebring, is a really, really well-attended race. So when you go to that race in the spring, there's generally about 100,000 people, maybe a little bit more. They've had reports in the past they've had a million people show up at that race. 
Um, and for the Sprint Race Brazil event, I think there were there might have been 200 spectators. So it gives you a lot different perspective to look at, and it's kind of cool to see them go around the track and get a different perspective of the racing event. Now it wasn't wasn't the best race, of course, but it wasn't the worst. It was definitely pretty awesome to see them in Sebring. And as I said, I think I'd probably go back again next year. We're going to have a little bit different format tonight because we do not have a guest this evening. So all of our, our things will be recaps of past events as well as previewing future events. Um, I think it will work out pretty well tonight, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as well. My question for you always is, are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Lally or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. I understand you went to a, a Monster Energy event last weekend. How was that, and, and what was the uh, what was the format of that race like? So, it was fun. It was really interesting. They were jumping. It was freestyle motocross, and they were jumping on the pavement, which is just really, really crazy. Um it was fun. I've never been to an event like that before, so it was it was really interesting. I've watched it on TV, but I've never seen it in person, and it's crazier in person. Um, they started off, like, practicing, and then they took the best four. There were seven riders, but one broke on one of the jumps. His shock went through his feet. Um... So they took the four best riders out of the seven, and then they had like a like a semi-final, and then they took the best two, and then they went to the final, and then the crowd got to basically say which one. Like the crowd was basically judging, but mm-hmm. while it was really cool, like it was, it was really neat. It was almost like you could tell who they wanted to win, which it was a little bit obvious, um, but it was fun. My nephew enjoyed it, and my dad, who absolutely did not want to go, he said he actually liked liked it. So it's something I would probably do again just because, like I said, it's just way more interesting watching them fly through the air in person than on TV. So whether it was kind of set up or not, I mean, they still have to perform their stunts and they still have to land them. So it was fun. I understand you got to talk to one of the one of the drivers. What was their what was his impression of the event? So I did. His name was Sean. I wish I could remember his last name, but his name was Sean, and he rode a Honda. Um, and he's how I kind of found out the format of the event, but he said that they, the Monster Energy Freestyle Motocross guys go to about 13 events out of the year, but he said that this is basically just kind of a hobby. He said he has a full-time job, but, um, yeah, this is basic. That was basically what he did on the weekends was go to these events and, yeah, but he said that practice, they had a jump move on them, 
so that had potential to be really bad. Um, yeah, but it had a good turnout, and he said, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't the only event he was actually going to that weekend, so he was going straight from there to a um, trail event. So, okay. yeah, but those guys are Hmm. And it sounds like it was probably it was a pretty cool thing. Um, I've never actually seen one of the Monster Energy um, races like that. I think that would be that would be pretty cool to do. I know they do have they have one at the at part of the Daytona Bike Week, but I haven't haven't had the chance to go up there and see it. So maybe next year, you never know. Yeah, I recommend it. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that on TV it's pretty cool. But in person, it was like it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Now let's go ahead and move on from from motorcycles back to the world of four wheels and talk a little bit about the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series. Uh, although he wound up leading a race high of 40 laps on route to his first NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series victory, it looked like Taylor Ankrum was going to have to settle for second place until the race leader Brett Moffat ran out of gas on the next to last lap last weekend. Moffat's miscalculation was to Ankrum's benefit, as he was able to charge on to a big win to lock himself into the postseason. The win was also the first NASCAR National Series victory for his team, DGR Crosley. Ankrum certainly got to the playoffs the hard way. He missed the opening three races of the season because he was too young to race at the track. Daytona, Atlanta, and Las Vegas, per NASCAR rules, drivers must be 18 to compete at those venues, and Ankrum's 18th birthday wasn't until March 6th. He was announced as a full-time driver for DGR Crosley. After struggling through some sponsorship issues that took him out of the number 17 Toyota for a pair of races, Ancrum was able to remain playoff eligible by jumping in the number 87 Chevrolet from Nemco Motorsports at Iowa and Gateway. Since returning to DGR Crosley, he's posted a 13th place finish at Chicago Land and then the win at Kentucky. On the year, Ancrum has a pair of top fives and four top tens. Ankrum's team is led by crew chief Kevin Mannion, who was in his fourth year in the Gander Trucks after a long career in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He joined DGR Crosley in 2018 after spending 2016 and 2017 with Kyle Busch Motorsports. Mannion has been atop the pit box for 20 different drivers in the Gander Trucks between 2016 and 2019. He spent the most time with Daniel Flores in 2016, working with him for 13 races, highlighted by a win at ISM Raceway. Overall, he has four wins as the crew chief in the series, including a pair of victories with Kyle Busch in 2017, Kansas, and Charlotte, 15 top five and 24 top ten finishes. After declaring for NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series points leading into the June Texas race, Ross Chastain had hit two marks, winning a race and breaking into the top 20 in points turn the spot in the, play- in the playoffs. He won at Gateway, and then after last weekend's fourth-place finish at Kentucky Speedway, he moved into the top 20 points for the first time. Chastain now sits 18th in the driver's standings, 23 points ahead of the 21st-place driver, Jennifer Jo Cobb. With three races remaining in the regular season, Chastain needs to maintain the consistency he has shown all year to stay in the top 20 in points. He has just one finish outside the top 10, his 32nd-place finish at Iowa, after his truck failed the post-race inspection and he was disqualified and has five top five finishes. 
He has only two prior starts at the next venue on the schedule, Pocono Raceway, on Saturday, July 27th, but they were strong finishes. In 2012, he finished 10th, and in 2013, he crossed the line 5th. Eldora will be a new track for him, as he has yet to make a start on the half-mile dirt track. In his experience at Michigan, the final track of the regular season is limited to a start in 2012 that resulted in an 18th-place finish. By virtue of rising into the top 20 in points, Ross Chastain has earned his way into the playoff grid as the NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series approaches the three-to-go mark in the regular season. Currently, five drivers are in their way on, in on wins. Brett Moffitt in Iowa and Chicagoland, Johnny Sauter in Dover, Austin Hill in Daytona, Ross Chastain, the Worldwide Technology Raceway, Raceway at Gateway, and the most recent winner, Tyler Ancrum in Kentucky. Points leader Grant Enfinger has a 34-point advantage over Stuart Friesen, who would earn a spot regardless of the win if he stays atop the board. And as the points stand, the remaining two slots in the playoffs will go Friesen and Matt Crafton. That puts Harrison Burton ninth on the playoff outlook, 44 points behind Crafton in the last slot that qualifies for the postseason on points. Ben Rhodes, 10th on the playoff outlook, 48 points behind the cutoff. And Todd Gillian, 11th on the playoff outlook, 100 points out of the postseason on the outside looking in. Each member of the trio probably needs a win to get a shot at the championship, but only Rhodes has a career standard trucks victory under his belt. Both at a mile and a half track. Las Vegas in 2017, and Kentucky in 2018. The NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series has three veteran tracks coming up to close out the regular season. Here's a look at the tracks and some of the best performances of each by drivers not currently locked into the playoffs with win. Pocono Raceway, Saturday, July 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern on Fox, MRN, Series XM NASCAR Radio. The 2.5-mile Tricky Triangle has three unique turns. Turn 1 through 14 degrees of banking, turn 2, 8 degrees, turn 3, 6 degrees, and long straight front stretch, 3,740 feet back stretch, 3,055 feet short stretch, 1,780 feet. Last week, Pocono announced that they would add the PJ1 traction compound in all three of the turns, helping add another lane option for passing opportunities. There aren't any championship eligible, eligible Gander truck drivers with a previous series win at Pocono. However, Grant Enfinger, June 2016, and Harrison Burton, June 2018, have recorded wins in the Arkham Maynard series at the track. Matt Crafton has a pair of top fives at the track in the Gander trucks, while Stuart Friesen and Ben Rhodes each have one top finish there. Eldora Speedway on Thursday, August 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on FOX Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. The half-mile dirt track is the only non-paved venue the NASCAR Series NASCAR National Series visit and always provides thrilling action. The trip to the track in rural Ohio also provides drivers and fans with a unique qualifying experience as field is set by a series of five qualifying races and a last-chance qualifying race. This summer marks the seventh race at the track for the series. Matt Crafton is the only championship-eligible driver with a win at the track. In fact, his victory in 2017 was the last time the two-time series title winner visited victory lane, and he would love to secure a playoff berth by becoming the first two-time Eldora winner. Crafton, Enfinger, and Friesen all have two, two top fives apiece at Eldora. They are the only Gander Trucks championship-eligible drivers with top fives at the dirt track. Of note, last year's winner Chase Briscoe is given to return to defend is not eligible for Gander Trucks points. We're now going to take a short musical break before we go ahead and preview some upcoming racing action. 
let's listen to your last when you crash. Hi, this is Kristen Kenny from Red Bull Global Rallycross, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship GT classes feature thoroughbred race cars from world-class manufacturers deserving of the spotlight. And the spotlight they will get this weekend at Lime Rock Park, when the GT Le Mans and GT Daytona classes were off of the first of June. Two GT-only races for the 2019 WeatherTech Championship with Saturday's Northeast Grand Prix. NBC Sportsnet will have live coverage of the two-hour and 40-minute battle on the 1.474-mile bullring known as Lime Rock at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. The NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com will offer live streaming of the race beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern Time with live weekend coverage also available from IMSA Radio and IMSA.com and on RadioLeMans.com. Sirius XM Radio will also cover the live IMSA radio call of the race on Saturday afternoon. 
Since 2015, six different manufacturers have taken class victories in the Northeast Grand Prix, including three different manufacturers in the GTLM class each of the past three years. In fact, only one manufacturer, Porsche, has more than one WeatherTech championship victory at Lime Rock over that period. That happened in 2017 when Patrick Pillay and Derek Werner delivered the first victory for the mid-engine Porsche 911 RSR in the GTLM class as co-drivers of the number of the number 911 Porsche GT team entry. While Patrick Lindsay and Joe Bergmeister claimed the GTD win and the number 73 Park Place Motorsports Porsche. 911 GT3R. The German manufacturer is currently riding a hot hand in the WeatherTech Championship with five consecutive GTLM victories spread between Pelay and its current co-driver Nick Tandy in the number 911 Porsche and the number 912 RSR shared by Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vanthor. Bamber and Vanthor scored the team's most recent victory in the Mobile One Sports Car Grand Prix presented by Acura at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park earlier this month vaulting themselves back to the top of the WeatherTech Championship GTLM standing. The number 912 teammates hold a four-point advantage, 186 to 182 over Tandy and Pelé. And Tandy thinks Lime Rock presents a good opportunity for the manufacturer to extend its 2019 win streak to six. Tandy's not alone, though. You can bet that the number 66 Ford Chip Ganassi Racing Ford GT drivers of Joey Hand and Dirk Mueller will return to Lime Rock this week with fond memories of the 2018 victory fresh in their minds. The same can be said for Corvette racing, and especially the number four Chevrolet Corvette C7R driver Olivier Gavin, who co-drove the historic 100th victory in Chevrolet in the Chevrolet Corvette racing program history, including eight 24 hours of Le Mans victories with Tommy Miller in 2016. This weekend, Gavin will be joined by Marcel Fassler, standing in for the injured Miller, in search of the team's historic 100th IMSA win as well as two-time defending WeatherTech Championship GTLM champions, and champions Jan Magnussen and Ant- Antonio Garcia, who are hungry to win in the number three C7R. Over the past three years, GTLM wins have gone to Corvette 2016, Porsche 2017, and Ford 2018. That being the case, perhaps it will be BMW's time to shine, which should be welcome news for BMW Team RLL and its pair of BMW MA GTE entries. The GTD class has seen four different manufacturer wins each of the past four years at Lime Rock, beginning with current WeatherTech Championship Daytona Prototype International DPI points co-leader Dane Cameron and then co-driver Michael Marshall winning in the number 94 Turner Motorsports BMW D4 back in 2015. The following year, it was John Potter and Andy Lawley in the number 44 Magnus Racing Audi R8 LMS GT3 before Lindsay and Bergmeister 2017 win for the Porsche. Last year, it was a home win of sorts for New Jersey-based team owner Paul Miller and his number 48 Lamborghini Hurricane, shared by Brian Sellers and Madison Snow. Will we see yet another different manufacturer win in GTD this year? There are plenty to choose from, including Acura, Ferrari, Lexus, McLaren, and Mercedes-AMG. Tune in Saturday to find out, or better yet, get your Northeast Grand Prix tickets now. Information available at LimeRock.com. There are still a few items on Matt Hagen's bucket list he would like to check off, including sweeping the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series famed Western Swing, which begins at this weekend's Dodge Mile High NHRA Nationals presented by Pennzoil. But to do that, a more immediate item on that list is in front of him, winning in Denver for the first time. 
Hagen and his team have never been able to solve Banamir Speedway throughout his stand throughout his standout championship winning career, advancing to the final round at the scenic track in 2011. Since then, it's been one frustrating result after another. Something Hagen hopes to change this weekend in his 11,000 horsepower Mopar Express Lane Pennzoil Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat. Coming off his third straight win in Epping, New Hampshire, this might be as good as time as any to change his fortune. Lee Pritchett in Top Fuel, John Force in Funny Car, Greg Anderson in Pro Stock, and Hector Arana Jr. in Pro Stock Motorcycle were last year's winners of the event that we televised on Fox Sports 1 and Fox, including live eliminations on Fox at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, July 21st. It is the 14th of 24 events in 2019. And Denver marks the traditional starting point of the challenging and iconic three-race Western Swing, which also includes stops in Sonoma and Seattle. But to have any chance of sweeping the Western Swing, something only the legendary John Force has done in Fine Car, a quick start and a Denver win is necessary. After a stretch of just one round win in his previous six races, Hagen and his team, led by crew chief Dickie Venables, made a swift turnaround in Epping in the heat. That was meaningful for Hagen, who picked up his 31st career win and moved to 7th in points but also had a huge impact on his team. Hagen believes the talent is there on the Don Schumacher racing team to do that, but he knows consistency will be key. That is especially true in a talented class that includes points leader Robert Height, TSR teammates Ron Cap, Tommy Johnson Jr. and Jack Beckman, Bob Pasca III, defending world champ J.R. Todd, and Sean Langdon. After the recent win, Hagen thinks his team is taking an entirely different mindset to Bandamere Speedway. Leah Pritchett will try for her first win of 2019 and second straight in Denver against points leader Steve Torrance, who has seven wins in the past eight races, Brittany Force and Antron Brown. Anderson picked up his first pro-stock win in Denver in a decade in 2018, looking for a repeat win while he faces off with points leader Bo Butner, Chris McGaha, and Alex Laughlin and Derek Kramer. In pro-stock motorcycle, Hector Rana Jr. came for a second win in Denver. So it won't be, be easy squaring off with point leader Andrew Hines, defending world champ Matt Smith, and Ryan Oler. The event also features thrilling competition in the NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series, showcasing the future stars of the sport. Fans will be sure to watch, sure to catch the Dodge Pennzoil Celebrity Race on Friday, as well as the No Prep exhi- Exhibition on Saturday. After NHRA qualifying on both Friday and Saturday, fans can watch a pair of spectacular Muy Caliente jet cars. Jet cars are thrust-driven, propelled by jet engines, with exciting pre-run flame shows. Friday and Saturday conclude with a spectacular pyrotechnic display. Along with the exciting on-track action, the Dodge Mile High NHRA Nationals, presented by Pennzoil, will honor first responders with NHRA's Salute to First Responders celebration. Actress and model Carmen Electra, who has graced the side of Jim Campbell's Cattleman's Cut Funny Car this season, will serve as the Grand Marshal for the event on Sunday. NHRA fans can take part in the Mellow Yellow Walking Tour to see the cars and teams hard at work in the pit. Fans can also attend Nitro School to learn how the cars operate and reach their thrilling speeds. Bannermere Speedway will host a Mellow Yellow autograph session and allow fans to meet their favorite drivers as well as the Cruising with Costello Sealmaster Track Walk hosted by NHRA announcer Joe Costello. Another can't-miss experience in the Winter Circle celebration on Sunday after racing concludes. NHRA fans are invited to congratulate the winners of the event as they celebrate their Dodge Mile High NHRA Nationals presented by Pennzoil Victory. 
As always, fans can interact with their favorite drivers as they're granted an exclusive pit pass to the most powerful and sensory-filled motorsports attraction on the planet. This unique opportunity gives fans direct access to the team, allowing them to see firsthand the highly skilled mechanics service their hot rods between rounds and give autographs from their favorite NHRA drivers. Fans also want to visit NHRA's popular Nitro Alley and Manufacturers Midway, where sponsors and race vendors create a carnival atmosphere with interactive displays, simulated competitions, merchandise, food, and fun for the entire family. The 18th annual Mopar Big Block Party presented by Penzo will return on Thursday, July 18th from 6 to 10 p.m. in downtown Golden. So it's going on shortly. The event includes an autograph signing with NHRA stars, as well as the chance to check out Dodge SRT Mopar drag cars and FCA U.S. production vehicles. The free admission fan event includes live music from the Steve Thomas Band, the chance to grab seat time in Dodge Demon race simulators and Penzo virtual simulators, food and drink stations, and much more. Fans can also share their block party experience on social media by using hashtag MoparBP19 or hashtag MoParty. For more information, visit the blog section at www.mopar.com. Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series qualifying will feature two rounds at 4.15 and 7.15 p.m. on Friday, July 19th, and final two rounds of qualifying on Saturday, July 20th at 4.15 and 7.15 p.m. Final eliminations are scheduled for 11 a.m. on Sunday, July 21st. To purchase general admission or reserve seats, call 800-664-UWIN-8946. Tickets also are available online at www.bandamere.com. To honor the salute to first responders, military, and first responders can save 20% on general admission tickets at the gate. For more information about the NHRA, visit www.nhra.com. Coming up on Tuesday, we've got a, a meeting to schedule our next next week's guests, which are probably going to be a driver or maybe two from the, the Drift Series. They've been trying to get on the show for a couple of weeks now, and we're going to give them their, their time next week. It should be pretty cool to talk to those guys. And I'm, I'm hoping it'll, be, it'll lead to future interviews as well. So we shall see. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the article covering all aspects of Marsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. I've had quite a bit of time lately to go ahead and, and keep up with the SpeedwayDigest.com articles, so you can find quite a few new things at the racing news section as well as a little bit in the Speedway news section of SpeedwayDigest.com. Be sure to check that out. we got a, 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 a wrap-up of the past action at Sebring in the uh, Sprint Race Brazil Series, so be sure to check that out, as well as other news and events going on around town. The, uh, there's even a, an article on there about Don Garlitz who's going to try and make a land speed record attempt in an electric dragster this coming Saturday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it could be interesting. It could be another another slow run. You never know. I know he's been trying to get 200 miles per hour out of the thing for several years now. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll have you updated next week. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our Slice of Paradise at my new site, Favorplum's Fantastic Finds. You can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and by heading to Favorplums, F-A-B-O-R-P-L-U-M-B-S, fantasticfinds.wordpress.com. 
Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great week. Thanks again.